episode 44 of the MetroFan TV rundown coming to you live off of a 3-1 loss on the road to New England. That decimated our back line further, shall we say. A lot of shenanigans, always a lot of shenanigans on the road to the house that Tom Brady built. Just Fernando, uh, Fernando's away again this week, unfortunately. So um, it's just me and Juan. How are you this morning slash evening, Juan? How are you? Um, I'm okay, Lens. I just I just have to get so- something off my chest. I think. Um, you know, I've stayed silent on this issue. I think for long enough. Uh, it's been going. These atrocities have been going on for for long enough. And I think I need to take a stand here uh, today. I'm announcing that I'm I'm supporting a movement of boycotts, divestments, and sanctions against the New England Revolution and all of the things that they've done, including uh, insisting on playing at Gillette Stadium. <laughs> a credible source, a uh, certain um, Patricio Benjamin, told me that Hamas was hiding out beneath Gillette Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> You know what to do. <laughs> I mean, like this is. Like, like, I said this last week, right? Like, this, this is this is the road trip I look forward to least from an experiential standpoint because the stadium's a shithole. You're you're seeing a game played on turf, and it's almost always going to be just a bad fucking time every time you go up there for some reason. Like uh, I don't oh, know, yeah. just something about Gillette Stadium. Just being an absolute house of horrors, like 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 if uh, there was a game that I'd probably would have designated it as like a early season like flat footed stinker, it would almost always be this one. Um, but I guess in a way it didn't really turn out like that, right? So I guess um, yeah, this would probably be a good time to seek into the actual game flow. Because for the first thirty minutes or so, we actually looked pretty damn good would we say i mean uh the the early reyes goal uh really set us out in the front foot and then from the point from uh when danny royer kind of fucked up uh on a one-on-one it just kind of in the words of pete tong went all went all pear-shaped didn't it <laughs> went a bit pete tong shall we say oh yeah i was, I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> to use british parlance um yeah, that's a funny thing. You know, I think uh, from the moment on, from that one-on-one, uh, slowly the pressure built. They had an equalizer that was more or less, you know, I think uh, one of those typical equalizers or goals that tend to be scored against us were someone just breaking the lines of a really good pass into a streaking Gustavo Bo, I think it was, who buried it for the equalizer. And then Reyes got sent off, and the rest, I think, as they say, is history, right? Um, I guess that was particularly disappointing to see, considering how much we had seized the game on the front foot, right? For the opening mm-hmm. 20, 30 minutes, like I said, you know, and like, unlike previous weeks, maybe, like, uh, there were a lot of cr- quality looks being created, right? And you saw this even throughout the game after the um, even after the red card, right? Where despite being down a man, they were still moving the ball up through the lines pretty well. There was really quick vertical combinations, right? Um, 
really quick vertical combinations to move the ball up quickly, which shows that, you know, I think uh, the that aspect of the of play that Schubert was like trying to develop over the last couple of weeks is coming along quite nicely, right? The guys look a lot more comfortable on the ball. Um, the attacking movement while the limb possession is starting to coalesce. Um, and that, I think, was something that you could see even when we were down 10 men, you know? I mean, we didn't really create many quality chances off of it because obviously by then uh, the game was pretty much beyond reach at that point. But, you know, I think there's one positive that I can, and that I can take from this game. It's exactly that, right? The attacking movement while we have 11 men does actually seem to be coming along on a week-to-week basis. Um, I don't know. Positives, negatives from this game for you? Yeah, this feels like another one of those games where it, uh, like the game plan is working until something happens and throws a wrench in all of it, and then we have to adjust right on the fly, be it, you know, we had Yuba Diara playing well in the first 45 minutes, and we had to take him off at halftime. Uh, yeah. This time it comes in the form of Andres Reyes, who prior uh, to the red card, I thought was looking very yeah, convincing. He was. Uh, uh, he he was strong in the challenge without going to going too much, uh, despite the second yellow card, uh, which I would argue uh, in Conmebol World Cup qualifying would not even warrant uh, a foul. But uh, first yellow, I would argue, was a bit soft. I thought he was good on the ball. There were moments where he sort of glided up the pitch, and it felt like, oh, this is this is the kind of guy that we would expect uh, in the place of Aaron Long. Uh, the goal, you know, the goal was someone mentioned that like he had uh, his stat sheet was pretty much everything that a defender could do. Uh, had he gotten the assist with the ball over the top to Danny Royer, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was like um, we were we, we've been asking ourselves for weeks, like why haven't we seen Andres Reyes yet? And I think I think we got that answer yeah. today, <laughs> or we got that answer during the game. Like, oh, that's. So it's not like this wasn't like an unknown thing with him, right? I think the discipline issues were pretty cut and dry from his time with Miami. I think it was uh, Juan Mapu, right? I think who posted, I think sometime after the game where he played 13 games, picked up a card in 12 of them, right? <laughs> Including how many, how mm-hmm. many red cards was it? It was at least two or three. I know that. I think it was like, two or three. Yeah. Um, and that kind of is a pretty accurate summation, I think, of the type of player that I think we saw on Sunday, right? I mean, uh, the tools are really, really tantalizing. It's just, for some odd reason, man, the guy just attracts... The guy's like Magneto, but with yellow cards for some reason. And I don't really <laughs> have an explanation right. for that, other than maybe being a bit too brash. Maybe it is something that you can coax out of someone who's a, a young and inexperienced, but... When the discipline issues are this extreme, um, you wonder, actually, <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> just how bad it's going to be. I mean, if it gets to a point where, you know, I think you you have a, something like a, you know, a Roy Keane kind of thing. I know he's a defensive midfielder. That's a bit, that's a bit different. But someone who picks up cards on the regular, but doesn't necessarily get sent off like almost every other game it could be right. okay uh, i mean he is only i think reyes is only what 23 years old right if i'm not mistaken 
He's pretty young. He can't be older than that. Can't be older than that, right? Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, pretty young. And like you mentioned, right? Like uh, the mobility that he shows, I think, is pretty key. Um, the ball-playing ability was a very nice thing to see as well. And you can see that, I think, because of that, like his all-around game, right? If he manages to figure out the de- the defensive issues, is going to be quite good, right? Like after all, like uh, clubs in Europe were scouting him for a reason, um, and some of those tools, and we saw, and we saw the reason why, which is exactly some, some of those tools that we saw, right? I think in the game. Um, there, of course, is a big question that that red card leaves us with. Of course, is it makes an already thin backline like even dinner, right? And we kind of knew going into the season that we were maybe one or two injuries away from looking pretty thin at the back. And now we find ourselves in a situation where I think uh, the worst case scenario has probably happened, right? We have probably going into this game against Orlando, I think we only have two fits center backs now right senior center backs and amro Tarek and sean nealis who i think have varying degrees of question marks attached to them i think now amro more so than sean nealis which um kind of tells you everything you need to know about amro's season so far but right um so I guess, I, and, and I guess, you know, uh, it begs the question of how do we deal with this, um, uh, with this issue for the rest of the season, right? And I think based off of this, I do think you'd probably need to bring in someone from outside the organization to help try and plug mm-hmm. these gaps in the defense based on what we saw, right? I mean... I mean, again, like like the like like someone who has as many tools as Reyes is obviously gonna be great, but the deep the discipline issues are gonna take some time to iron out because it does seem like it's based in it's something that's not just you know rash rashness from inexperience in my opinion. I think it really just kind of boils down to the fact that he is a very aggressive player. So. Um, I'm going to see how much that can be coaxed out, really. Uh, and then on top of that, like, a lot of hits to the reliability of our other options, right? So I would say that we need to actually start looking at bringing in a reliable number one option from the outside, just based off of this. You know, I mean, there, there could be a case where like say Tom Edwards emergency center back steps up and becomes like <laughs> and like the second coming of Bobby Moore, but I I don't really see something like that happening anytime soon. So I mean Yeah, he was saying that he uh he, he was playing he was comfortable playing with as a center back position. Uh he noted that uh, it gave him a lot of time over the ball. However, uh research shows that he was playing as a center back at Fleetwood Town, as a loan at Fleetwood Town from Stoke City. Uh, uh, Fleetwood, who were coached at the time by one uh, Joey Barton. So we might be losing another center back. If, if we... 
<laughs> See, you can't. You, if, you if, can't if that's any indication. You can't get sent off in the match if you stub out a cigar in someone's eye before the game. You know. Yes. That's just how it goes. <laughs> oh man. Um, needless to say, I mean, like, it's it. it but but I want to touch upon something that you mentioned. I think earlier. You know, it's really disappointing that we're sitting here having to discuss like spoiled patches like every day, <laughs> every week at this point, right? Where <laughs> we're basically saying like, yeah, you know, I mean, like it looked good, but then this thing happened, and then like uh, it just kind of all fell apart, and it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, this is the frustrating thing, but also I guess the frustrating the frustration. It's also in a very um, dualistic kind of way. Also, there's an inherent goodness in that frustration, right? Because we aren't necessarily being outplayed by our opponents, right? In fact, we are dropping the ball from very winnable positions. And we've haven't really looked overmatched in a, in a game this season, I don't think, other than Philadelphia, I would say. Right? I mean, like, the Rebs coming into this game are one of the best teams in the East for for all, for all intents and purposes. And for the first 30 minutes, like, we had control of the game from the go, right? I mean... Yeah, and even even when it was down to ten men, I was not ent- entirely convinced by uh, New England's back line to the point where I'm just like, are England also playing with ten men? What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> and that's that, that, that's the thing, you know. I mean, like uh, even with ten men, they didn't necessarily look overmatched again, right? It wasn't just flat out capitulation as I think people would expect it. I mean, you have to give big ups to Sean Nealis and Sean Davis, I think, for stepping up in a situation like this, right? And I think. Um, the way Davis especially was just everywhere, you know, I think that was, that was just, you know, a real captain's performance from him today. Yeah, absolutely. So today, no, 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 no. I mean, last, <laughs> last Saturday, I should say. Um, yeah. You know, and it's because of that, like, you know, the frustration is good in a way, like I said, because it shows that we have seen enough where we think we should be getting something out of these games that we have dropped, right? SKC, we could have we could have easily gotten a point. LA, LA, we could have easily gotten a point. Easily could have gotten a point against, you know, New England if we kept all 10 men. Or even beat them on the road if we kept all 10 men. Te- kept all 11 men, I should say, on the field. Um <laughs> Uh, Philly, we had chances that we could have taken. Easily could have gotten a point there as well, you know. And I and, and I think knowing these past couple games, especially against Philadelphia and New England, we're done with slightly rotated lineups because of various injury issues. You know, I mean, I would hope, fingers crossed, really, I would hope that as the injury list clears up, like we start picking up more wins again, right? But. Inherently, this also belies another um, issue maybe that we could have with the roster construction, right? Because like it literally seems that we lose a couple pieces and suddenly the whole system falls apart again, 
right? Like there's that same gulf in quality between the starters and the depth that we saw in 2018 that ended up derailing it at some points. And, you know, I mean, I understand the salary cap league and especially in a league like MLS, which isn't like a premier, um, you know, destination. It's not an apex league in the world soccer scale. You're not going to be able to like, say, spend $35 million on like a backup fullback, like a certain Pep Guardiola does, right? Like the -hmm. transfer kitty is probably the equivalent to what Pep Guardiola spends on like a fucking youth player. Right for MLS teams, right. so a right back or something. A right back, yeah, one of those lame positions no one likes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're unless you're Tom Edwards, then uh, great job. Yeah, but you see, he's a center back now. Oh he's yeah, a center back right. wearing number seven. He's a <laughs> he's a center back from Staffordshire. Truly, I mean, I, I think that's just truly egregious. I'm sorry, Tom, but come on, man. <laughs> Go go one number down at least, brother. Please, like, <laughs> two and three were right there, you know. But anyway, yeah. Before, like like I was mentioning, you know, um, and that's why I'm really I I I, I was down pretty bad <laughs> after this New England game because I was like <laughs> freaking out about the backline situation. I will admit, but when I look at it as a whole, you know, that there, there, there have been you you just know that the level of play that we have seen this team be capable of executing in spurts this season has been so good and better than anything we've seen in the last two years that like y- y- you want everything in your power for them to be going towards that sooner rather than later you know what i mean and that kind of keeps the hope alive for me to a degree Right, I still see enough week and week progression where I am relatively optimistic that this team is trending in the right direction. But if these dumb individual mistakes, like I say, keep on carrying on into say August or September, that is where I'm going to be sounding the alarm bells. Quite frankly, you know, you know, like these are good conversations and good sentiments to be having at the beginning of the season but i think the expectation now of going into uh orlando and past orlando after the international break is that we're going to be building on these and you're going to be seeing less of these mistakes like um manifesting because if they continue to manifest right like that's inherently a flaw with the roster design right too many maybe project players on the team mm-hmm that you're trying to uh, cultivate simultaneously. I mean, credit to people if that's what they're trying to do. But, you know, I mean, there is some inherent risk in doing exactly that. And you're seeing and you're seeing it, right? Some sloppiness. Dudes um, don't necessarily have the big requisite experience uh, to play a sharp 90 minutes. You know, it's stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I might be rambling a little bit at this point, but uh. no, I think you have a point. I think there's a, there's a contrast in what uh, the system requires of the positions. Like I was just thinking of like, what kind of, what kind of uh, 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 similes we could, we could think about how this formation 
or how the team is constructed uh, for the system we want to play it. And like the closer you get to the opposition's goal, like our system is like a bunch of Lego pieces where it's like, oh, we can move this guy here or we can move this guy here. And yeah. they all stay the same shape. But that, the further you get, the closer you get to our goal, it's suddenly a Jenga set. Like one guy moves out of position and then the whole thing falls, falls apart. Actually, yeah, that is a really good analogy, actually. I like that. I do like that. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Jenga piece in this case, I think, uh, looking like it's Andrew Goodman, I think seriously, right? So, I mean, hopefully this hip injury goes away sooner rather than later. Just, um, yeah, I mean, may, just so that we, I guess, reshuffle the back line to some, to, to a more, to, to a better degree. I mean, that, that's my hope anyway. Um, I think, so yeah, I think, um, I'll, I guess we'll talk about, we'll try and talk about individual performances, but I mean, like 60, 60 minutes are basically being played with 10 men. So, I mean, not a lot of, opportunities for our attacking players to shine obviously so uh, i mean i think that was pretty much underscored by the fact that fabio got taken out at 45 caden clark got taken out at 45 and patrick klimala was basically kind of on an island ball by himself like up there mm-hmm. um the weird thing that happened this game was cameron harper being subbed in and then being taken yeah, out he again. ended up he played I think I wrote this down, or did I write this down? But he did not. He could not have played more than I think he came in the 60th minute. It was at least 20. It was like 20, 25 minutes, right at the very least. Uh, I think that's yes. that's what I felt it was. Yeah, and he yeah. went in in the 60th minute. He came out in the 85th minute. So yeah, that was about 25 minutes, I guess. That was that was kind of a weird one. Apparently, it was uh, over. Um, over defensive work and not being able to plug in, uh, you know, not really doing his part to help show up a 10 man back line. Yeah. I think the exact words from Struber is that he was not in the right positions on and off the ball, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. The team is playing with 10 men. If anything, that's, that's the time you have to keep your shape more than anything. Um, I think it's just a weird it's a weird decision but he's a young player and I think he he probably could use more minutes perhaps at RB2 if if Struber doesn't think he's ready or unless the situation didn't call for it. Um Yeah, I guess that's the, that's the, that's the that's the other but I guess that supposes poses the curious thing for me, you know. I think if Struber doesn't feel that he's ready or that he was being a bit too naive in a, you know, in a in a situation where we were down a man, then why seven? In, I guess why seven men to begin with, right? But I suppose um, it was a, it was a test because they, I guess you could say it was a test of anyone in that game. That putting in the guy for twenty five minutes and then yanking him for being out of position constantly, you know, I mean, you you can put a lot of blame on the player, but you know, I think rightfully some questions will be then raised. I think on the ability to appraise the game state if you're putting in someone like that to begin with especially when you brought like i think five other attackers with you on the road to new england you know i think um 
it's stuff like that, you know. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that this is like a massive indictment. I think of uh, Struber's ability to manage the game or anything, but it was kind of baffling enough that it's partially not a good look on Gerhard either, right? I think we no. have to say that because he had come in for he had come in for Caden Clark. So even if he wasn't playing a shuttler, I think you bring in Omir earlier for Amaya and you're trying to think of the shape you're trying to play with 10 men, but then Stuper brought in Tolkien for Harper again, which I don't think would have been a like for like switch. Um, if the idea was to bring in Tolkien as a shuttler or yeah, I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. And, and this, is, uh, sure. this is very, this feels like the very much uh, a Gerhard galaxy brain type thing. Yeah. Uh, but even uh, then it, is it really? Cause we were playing with 10 men. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, in all fairness, like it, it's never the easiest situation to manage. But you know, I think this is one thing that we're starting to see a bit with. I think Schubert's like decisions week in week out is that, you know, I think um, some of the changes seem a bit hard to really analyze, right? Because I think you see the certain guys being yanked super hard, super short leashes. But then with the starting 11, like, it seems pretty locked, right? For some odd reason, we're insisting on in going with Kyle Duncan at left back over the litany of other options that we apparently have as, I think, one. Um, two, um, we seem to have been bringing certain guys along, like, pretty slowly, which is why, you know, I think... Uh, two which is why I think Caceres, right, continues to be like a penciled-in starter week after week alongside Clark. But in spite of all that, Amaya basically walked into, like, the starting 11 when he first came over. You know, it's right. it, it, it's it's stuff like this, you know. I think, like, that makes me wonder. You know, it's like uh, some certain players have longer leashes than other, or some players have, like really really short leashes before they are banished some players show a lot well in their substitute appearances but are still being brought along a bit slowly you know i think there's a point where i wonder if like how much of this is just being gun shy right how much of this is being i think um being a bit overtly cautious maybe i i, I don't know if that's the right word to use but it's 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 a bit inscrutable for me I wouldn't say it's like a I want Schuber out right now kind of thing, but it is a question. It it, it 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 is the basis for some questions that I have, I think, for the decisions that are being made on a weekly basis. I don't really understand some of the personal switches that we're doing. But, you know, maybe he is right. And I guess, you know, I mean, like, who am I to really say that the manager who sees the players week in, week out doesn't really know how to appraise his talent, hopefully. Um, but, and, you know, I think maybe I am speaking from like a position of just really wanting to anxiously see certain guys play more. So, um, yeah. But for me, you know, I think like this is only going to hold water, right? So much as uh, if the results don't follow. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. as uh, Takeshi Tatsumi likes to say, right, the results are everything that matters. It's the end-all, be-all of football. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think um, these 
apparently, I think inscrutable lineup decisions are something that I think are probably born out of frustration for me as well. And, you know, I think these these can be dissuaded that the results obviously pick up. But these are going to be questions that we're going to see going forward as well, right? If you're continuing to see, like, certain guys being stuck to while the rest of the lineup is a revolving door and the results don't pick up, right? Because then you start to wonder, like, what the what the project is, or like what the learning experience is going to be, right? Like, I, I'm not really sure if a revolving door situation is going to be ideal for a lot of, um, you know, young players. And it's not going to be good for a team trying to build some semblance of cohesion, especially, right? It's like, so, you know, I think to cut a long story short, like, the, 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 this is going to be something that I'm probably going to monitor a bit more closely, I think, as the season progresses. Because, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I wouldn't say that it necessarily cost us the game, but it was a small, it was a small, I think, point of frustration in what was already a pretty frustrating game. But like you yeah. said, he was managing with ten men, and seeing how he how he he manages these situations is going to be pretty big, and seeing like what he can give to us as a manager, you know. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and not to like treat tomorrow's game as a wash, but um, we're going to have a three-week break after tomorrow's game. And I don't think, with the exception of who, who would probably go on international duty? CCJ probably. Yeah, I think it was, I think he's probably the only one, right? Cause, uh, yeah, I think he'd be, I, well, I don't think Andres Reyes is getting called up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I looked up the Colombian team and he was not there, but instead there was a 22 year old center back who plays for Hank of all teams. Where's uh, that? So, uh, some country called Belgium. I don't. That I sounds don't know like a is. fake place. That place yeah, is not real. Sounds, sounds, sounds like a place that like speaks like three languages, but they're all European and like they make chocolate or whatever. Sounds like know. a governmentless place. How awful! Right. <laughs> Just terrible. Um. But anyway. yeah, maybe Struber could sit. <laughs> Struber sits Reyes down and says, "Listen, if you don't perform, you cannot play for your national team." <laughs> you imagine in the back of his head, and he's like, "You know, I once knew a defender called Andres who played for my national team." Dot 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 dot. <laughs> oh lord! <laughs> <laughs> Only real heads are gonna get that joke. Well, actually, oh, no, boy. not really. I mean, it is uh, one of probably one of the most notorious um, stories about the Colombian national team. But um, let's not go into those days too deeply. Eps um, in the chat, but yeah, I think I think I just like so. If I'm look, gonna look forward, we can talk about like the rest of the game, the game tomorrow. But I think the three week break between tomorrow and uh, our game against Nashville, I think for me i think at that that's going to get provided just a little bit of a break i think we can reset just a little bit some guys hopefully uh guys like gutman uh can get their injuries set up maybe yuba diara knock on wood but it, i think it's just like i think three weeks is probably going to be good for the team i think yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I definitely... we will be getting we'll be getting reyes back by then and it's just like you know hopefully things will be clear by then yeah, no, no, I agree. I think the the break in a way is coming at the right time for us, right? Because we're getting a bit banged up right now, and the results are kind of slipping as a result of it. 
Hopefully yeah. they heal up, get the build gel a little bit more, right? You over that three week period and they just come back and just blow the doors off of Nashville. But you know, I mean, this was is our the trickiest part of the early season schedule, right? Especially for a team that brought in, I think, twelve new players and is still trying to find its footing. I mean, I hate to say that six games in, but then I remember it's only six games into the season. <laughs> we we have been in a categorically worse position. Yeah, it was called the zone, right? And that lasted two years. <laughs> Maddie, or what, which, which season was it? 2017? Wait, was it 2016 where we started one and six? And that was when right, we were so like running out guys like Carl we met at center back because of the defender apocalypse. Like yeah. uh, Gideon Ba, another one who just kind of had another like really tricky hamstring injury that took him out for like a couple months, right? I, I recall. That was a another pretty... player that played that played one game and impressed, and we're like, "Wow, this guy's for real!" And then he died. Yeah, so just just something about something about our African players, man. Unfortunately, our important CAF just giving their hamstrings for the for the greater good, and then just disappearing into the void forever, man. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I blame Bill Gates for some reason. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna call up like uh, I'm gonna call up. Uh, I'm not sure who I can call up to do this, but I'm I'm going to be conducting a seance. I think at the Ripple <laughs> Arena physio room, asking them to give their hamstrings back back to Yuba Diara so he can run free once more. We're going to pray at an altar to like Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> to oh, bring no. back our African players' oh, no. health. I don't know. Oh no! Oh boy! Oh no! That that that's just not that that that's just haram, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, um, you're right. I, uh, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll read we'll read some passages of of Thomas Sankara's speeches. That'll that's that's a little more wholesome. Um, yeah, I think yeah. Um, so so I think they kind of diverge back to um, diverge back to this again, right? Like, um, do I necessarily see the Orlando game as a wash? I mean, I would like to see a win at home, obviously, and I think it would be yes. um, a pretty good win at home against a team that isn't seems a bit pat, you know, beyond your meme, their days of meme glory, right? Of not making the playoffs with Kaka, because Oscar Pareja seems to turn them into a like a proper outfit. But I guess we'll get into that a little yeah, bit later. Yeah, uh, they're currently currently second in the East. Yeah. But Nani's not going to be showing up, so you know. I mean, it does kind no, of no. He'll be on here. suspension, and uh, they'll be missing uh, uh, Ruan Uri Rose, who I don't know how much they featured in these games, and then obviously they'll be missing Alexandri Pato, who who died in the first game <laughs> of the week of the of the season. So. Oh man, uh, transfer rumor legend Alexandri Pato, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> China Super League icon. <laughs> He's been he's been everywhere, like all the meme leagues that you can think of. Pato's been there after he left AC Milan. But honestly, like he's 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 been around the block, played some good games, and then uh, immediately went down injured. So this is an accelerated timeline for him. Yeah, it's a speed run because he skipped this. He skipped the play good some good games part completely, didn't he? Yeah. So some so so I guess uh, the spirit of Orlando City lives on in some shape or form, right? Like uh, these washed up former Euro 
I would I wouldn't even really say stars because I'm thinking of guys like Nocharina. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't really call yeah. him a star, now would we? But yeah, um, we'll, we'll break down Orlando a bit closer because I think what I wanted to say to close out New England chat was, I mean, this was the trickiest part of our schedule. Um, so in the early season and for the most part with a rotated lineup for the two trickiest games in Philadelphia and New England, I think it's, it obviously wasn't good because I don't like losing and two losses kind of sting, even if they do happen on the road. But Mm -hmm. considering the circumstances of what happened, like I could say it could have been a lot worse. We didn't look, we didn't look like we were pantsed in either game. Right, like completely. Even when yeah. we were down ten yeah, men, yeah. like they weren't blowing the doors off of us or anything. In fact, we kept it kind of tight um, for most of the second half. Right? It was only it was a it was a it was kind of a bad mistake from Carlos Coronel on the second goal and a breakaway on the third while we were pushing higher up the field, attacking right yeah. with ten men. That. Um, we gave up the third goal on. So, you know, I mean, again, even though the results are kind of bad and I do see some positives. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I hope this is something that gets ironed out as a, the season goes along. We're going to be entering a slightly easier part of the schedule after the international break. They'll hopefully, you know, get us some wins, some confidence back in the team. And hopefully, you know, some of the personnel heals up. So I guess we'll close out New England with some stocks, right? Because as we always yep. do. So stock ups. And I think it's taken me, it's it's long overdue for me to give this stock up. I'll give a stock up to Sean Nealis. You know, I think he's been very quietly consistent this season. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, like of the two, I, you know, I mean, like uh, you, you can't overlook the fact that like he helped lock it down. Right. I think uh, towards the second half of the game playing with 10 men, other than being blown by, I think uh, he, he he was the guy who got blown past on, on, I think, the second goal. Right. If I'm not mistaken. By Tejan Buchanan. Uh, that would that would be like either him or uh, Tom Edwards. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I think it was Tom Edwards. It was a Nealis in the third goal, I think, that got uh, lost his man a little bit. But but in any case, you know, I mean, for for a guy who's being thrust into a full-time starter minutes uh, for the first time in his career, and especially in the like very tricky emergency situations like uh, the ones that we're seeing right now, right? I think he's performed pretty well. Would say admirably, but he's performed pretty well. And he shows that he has a place in MLS, right? You know, as a center, as an MLS starter, at the very least, he has been making that case. So I hope to see that continue. Hope to see that stock continue to rise because I think this is one that's been over. I have personally overlooked giving, and I'm really sorry for that, for what it's worth. So yeah, more than happy to give this one to Sean Ellis. Another one, of course, the other Sean, Sean Davis, right? Really. I mean, what do you say? I mean, like, he's probably the man on the match on our side of the ball. I mean, just absolute captain's performance from showed so much heart, so, so much grit. And even despite being down 2-1 with 10 men, like, somehow found it within himself to drive the play forward while playing as an emergency center back, right? And, you know, I mean, seeing the renaissance that he's had this season so far, I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? Like, considering, like, we started the season thinking that some, some people thinking that he was going to be trade bait, you know? Yeah. 
I think, you know, I think what we've seen from him this season, nothing short of fantastic, you know, I think, and that's what I, in a way is the thing that makes me hold enough confidence that Gerhard Struber knows what he's doing with his players, right? That you're seeing guys like this blossom again, system pieces like this start to blossom again. You know, I think, um, I think uh, in a way Davis has become, uh, you know, I think a microcosm of that. And I hope to see that continue as well. Um, final stock up in the game where you couldn't really um, give a lot to, I think I'll give it to Tom Edwards, right? For Just simply because of that, that one cross, right? <laughs> that we saw from that relatively deep position that Royer got the end of. I mean, that was beautiful, oh, man. Yeah. I think like Sam Allardyce like shed golden tears in heaven <laughs> seeing that cross in. And then he realized it wasn't Kevin Davies on the end of that, but Danny Royer. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, I I I think it would be a bit of a waste for him to be moved back to center back because just simply because of like that playmaking threat he gives out wide in the right back spot. But you know, I mean, nothing nothing going to stop him from maybe bombarding a bit forward and getting in a cross in from central positions. Hopefully, who knows. I know, like the center, the center is not really a place that you can really cross too easily from. But you know, I mean, there are instances of center backs um, finding themselves in that sort of center right-ish channel just after the halfway line, right? So maybe if he finds the opportunity to cross it from deep in there, it could be kind of fun. We'll see what happens. Uh, he has to play like uh, like Sheffield United, but not from this season, from last season. <laughs> oh, the Chris. Are you trying to tell me that we're going to bring in Dean Henderson on loan from Manchester United to play in goal for us? I'd be okay with well, that. Well, we can only have one goalkeeper in the roster who wears hats during a game. Well, I mean, the other guy doesn't really exist anymore, to right. be fair. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> just get completely written out by Shrubs in the press conference, poor guy. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, so um, stock downs. I guess this is the part where I uh, disparaged the goalkeeper weekly. Um, you know, Coronel showing like some great saves this game, but man, like the second goal is kind of rough. Um, I guess if mm-hmm. I do the breakdown on this, like I think uh, there's been people wondering like what the hell he was trying to do on that goal. I think the answer is pretty simple, and this is a really bad habit that I think some goalkeepers tend to have, is that he basically tried to cheat on the cutback, right? He assumed the cutback was going to happen a bit too early and f- basically flashed his hand to the attacker who just drilled, drilled past the near post. So let us, moral of the story, kids, is never cheat and always make the attacker try and commit to do something before you commit to do something. You know, like mm. that's the big mentality. That's the big mental game that you're playing as a goalkeeper, right? You don't force the attacker to... You don't react to the attacker. You force the attacker to react to you, right? That is the center of situations like this. So, you know, I think rightfully getting disparaged on that second goal, and it kind of makes all the big saves that we were saying in the second half like kind of moot, if you ask me, right? You can't sort these things out. So, you know, I mean, I still think he's the best goalkeeper we have on our retinue in the way that Schuber wants to play with his distribution. 
But, you know, these positioning errors and this, you know, kind of flinchy stuff, you know, that needs to be cut out, right? And I hope that Yuri Niemann gets on that to try and coax that out of him a little bit more, right? Because I think I see enough tools with Cornell again, right? That this is a, is a guy who could be a very high-level goalkeeper, right? Not just an MLS, but, it, you know... It, not just an MLS, like he's got real pedigree here, right? But it's up it's, to us to yeah. coax Struber those to mistakes him down. out of him. Yeah, Struber sits him down and like, you have to understand, people from Philadelphia are making jokes about you. <laughs> you know, I think you are some ways away from being like the great keepers of your time, like uh, the Nelson Dida and the Claudio <laughs> Taffarel. <laughs> And uh, the um, uh, so uh, yeah, um, he's not really at Allison levels <laughs> yet. Needless to say, but you know, I mean, like he's of got uh, time. of being a good goalkeeper or having uh, horrible uh, mistakes. A bit of both, because I think Allison didn't have like you know some brain farts while he was at Roma as well, right? So this does happen, I guess, with goalkeepers from time to time. Um, only 24 years old. Like we have incidences of goalkeepers only really coming to their own when they're like what 27, 28. So I'm not really too yeah. too scared about it. Anyway, if he if he really sucks, like he's on loan anyway, so he can just send him back and make him Salzburg's problem. Like it's really not that big a deal, to be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not tearing my hair out just yet. Um, stock down. Uh, I guess Andres Reyes. Uh, like Coronel, a lot of tools, but kind of some f- some foolish things that we kind of have to coax out of him as well. Like these two guys, like I'm giving stock downs, I think mostly because they look a bit more like projects, despite of all the tantalizing tools that they have. And, uh, you know, I, I think that they can be really valuable contributors once you iron out those kinks. Um if you ever manage to iron out those kinks, though, that's the big thing, right? So wait and see, I think, on that front. A lot stock down. Mm, yeah, I'll give it to Royer, actually. I think like it's pretty clear that he probably shouldn't be starting at this point. Um, he's good as a late-game sub where space opens up a little bit more, and he can kind of sneak into these half spaces. But, you know, I think as a starter, yeah. like, I just really want to fucking see, like, Klimala and the end of some of these balls being played in rather than Danny Royer, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that pace right. anymore. His touch has never been fantastic. I think it's time to unleash Fabio and Klimala, at the very least. I would like yeah. to see that against Orlando. Yeah. I think that will be a partnership we see tomorrow. I I, re- I really hope so, man, because I'm so high <laughs> on what this is going to look like. But anyway, yeah, like both I... of those long, those both of those balls over the top. Uh, just imagining Klimala getting on the end of those. Oh yeah, dude, just burying it like top corner with the left foot. Please, please, Mister Schubert, please, I'm begging you. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have anything to add for stocks? I guess. I think I think for the first time ever we uh, we experience uh, uh, cryptocurrency levels of stock up and down in one game, and that's for Andres Reyes. Yeah, like I give him both a, a stock up, but also a stock down. Just 
Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, I think I said, said it earlier, but like the uh, uh, we saw the heights and the lows of one player in, in the span of uh, in the span of a few 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, I mean, it was a hell of a speed run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, rather I don't know. <laughs> was it tool assisted? That's what I want to know, man. Like it seemed too good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. Um, stock up to Patrick Klimala, I think. We haven't seen him start yet, but I think it just feels like I'm convinced every time he, he's playing, even if we're playing, you know, adverse situation of having to play 10 men. But I think he uh, he's proving more and more that he needs to be starting. Uh, and like you said, you've given to Sean Davis. Uh, I, I do give to Sean Davis this game again. Uh, he had that like goal saving tackle at some point when there was like uh, a one on one with the goalkeeper. But uh just like in terms of the season, I think it, it's really impressive how oftentimes he literally every time he's on the ball, he's never hurried. He's always very assured. He knows exactly what to do. Um, and I keep thinking that the shoot, like the shoe is going to drop with him, that like the position that he's in, that his, uh, that his physicality isn't exactly what that position demands. And yet he, you know, he, uh, he is, uh, he proves me wrong and in, in the best kinds of ways. Yeah. Def and I think um, I think this is the interesting question that we have, right? I think assuming that everybody's healthy and ready to go ninety, like he showed that he's got two two positions now where he's kind of excelled, right? I think uh, you have uh, the base of the diamond where he's looked really comfortable, but he looked, I think, best as like the shuttler still against SKC. And now here he is plugging in as like an emergency center back and displaying the same level of play. I mean, like I think that's nothing short of amazing. Now I'm not going to yeah. say we should fall in love and make him play, trot him out at center back every single week because no, that please. would be pretty Absolutely fucking not. stupid. Okay, Struber, please. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you listen to this podcast sometimes, but uh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I know he listens to this podcast because I am Gerhard Struber, actually. Whoa. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> hello. God. This, is your, this is your real voice. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 Austrian accent is just the front, just to throw people off. It's, it's just a bit. Yeah, it was it was in my name the whole time. Didn't you understand? Lens is spring in German, didn't you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, I don't think is it. What does lens know. mean in German? Anyway, uh, continue, please. Uh, I guess another stock down. Uh, the only other strike down, I guess, would be for Cameron Harper, I think. And maybe I give him the benefit of the doubt here, but like, that's not, not good looks getting, uh, uh, getting subbed in and out like that. Mm. It's, uh, uh, few times does that look good. Like, I thought he was injured at first, but apparently, yeah, uh, apparently it, it was, uh, 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 having a bad game despite having just come into the game. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a weird one for me. Uh, I, I like I said, I think part of it comes down on the manager as well. But you know, I've already said my piece on that, so I'm not gonna. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think uh, yeah. So yeah, I think that does it for New England. I'm just so glad that we get to put this game behind us in the rearview mirror because I just fucking hate going there, and we have to go up there again. Horrible. My God, oh my God, like, I want this, like, please dissolve MLS 
It's not that I hate the league. It's just that I hate going to see games at New England. Going to New England. Oh, fuck, did man. did we have the same problem that we were having in the past games of like players slipping around? Right? No, right? No, it wasn't. Cam- like Caden uh, Clark wasn't slipping around. Caden Clark seems to have uh, fixed the uh, studs on his boots. Yes. Like I don't know what it is about that field in Philadelphia, man. But it was like a fucking slip and slide. Maybe it's like getting ready for several months or something. But. I don't know. I have no idea. It sucked. No. Anyway, like these were two really shitty games back to back that I'm kind of glad that we uh, get through. And now we get to focus on a game that always seems to give high level quality of memes a- an encounter with Orlando City SC at Red Bull Arena. And this is, like I said, it's always kind of a fun one, right? This, this uh, game on the uh, roster because you get to see some absolutely batshit results. And some really f- bizarre moments, like when Dom Dwyer threw Luis Robles into the net, or like uh, when Kyle Lyron decided to shit on us, you know, that one year. Yeah. <laughs> and then you we, we gave it you give it right back every once in a while by just pantsing them, you know. Yeah. And so always a fun one, right? And we if there's one thing that we know about Orlando City fans on Twitter is that they are posters with a capital P O S T E R. You know, like, <laughs> so always a fun time with the memes that come out, I think, uh, from this uh, fixture. Um, like I mentioned, I think earlier, like uh, with Oscar Pereja and Toll now, I think like they definitely look like a pretty revitalized side. I mean, initially, I think I definitely have my brain kind of stuck in the idea that there's some kind of meme team, right? But they actually look pretty good this season, right? And I think, uh, you know, even in spite of Nani, like, playing out of his mind, if you look beyond that, I think a lot of the improvements that you've sh- they've shown as a team this year kind of come from the fact that they are more cohesive defensive side, right? Like, there's an actual defensive shape that's drilled into these guys. They play really good, I think, compact... Um, I think it's like a mid-to-low block, right, that Perea, that Perea kind of sets up in. That keep that keeps it really tight. Uh, it's why I think um, they've been hard to. It's one of those teams that are like they're not necessarily gonna be like blowing the doors off of you, but getting a goal on them very hard, right? Because of that watertight defense. Um, so this is in a way becomes a pretty good benchmark for the improvements that we've seen and the attacking movement that we've seen over the last couple over the last week, right? If they manage to uh, unlock this defense, you know, then that's another positive step in the right direction, and that's and I think it's going to be the main tactical storyline going into this game, right? A really good defense going up against an offense that's still trying to uh, take on a more, how do you say, it? Try, trying to become a more fully realized offense. So it's a good test yeah. in that sense. Um, they are, of course, missing Nani, like like we mentioned, right? Who has kind of been their main source of attacking um, firepower this season. But, you know, I think uh, it would be a bit foolish to think that, oh, uh, easy win just because they're missing their best player, right? Because I think, uh, like we said, this, is, this isn't this this isn't Kaka Orlando where they're pay, paying like really washed old dudes. Quite frankly, they just suck shit for like a million dollars a year. Uh, no, yeah. this is this is this is actually quite a well-drilled 
side now. So I kind of expect a bit of a bloodbath, to be honest. Like, it's going to be one of those really ugly DCU-like games, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, those are, that, I think that's going to be my key to the game. Um, key to us, I think, is the fact that we are starting to see some of the, the personnel come back, right? You're starting to see some of those guys come off the injury list. I mean, looking at the injury report um, we saw this week, um, no surprises. Diara, Velo, and Long are the absentees still. Um, Goodman still listed as questionable, but but Drew Yearwood coming off as a one card, one game suspension, right? Going to be available again, um, which makes this kind of interesting, right? We talk about trying to unlock a defense, and probably the best playmaker on the team right now comes off a one game suspension. Apparently ready to play 90, according to Struber. And, you know, I think he could very well be the key to unlocking this Orlando defense for us, right? Because every time he's coming mm-hmm. to the field, like, he creates and draws so much space just of his ability to drive the ball and then play some really incisive passes. You know, I am convinced. I think I think he has the potential to help bring this midfield add this added level of dynamism to this midfield, right? Which is why I think it could very well be that this is a great time to see if Drew Yearwood can be that guy for us. So I kind of do hope that he plays um, this weekend. Other keys to the game that we, on the Red Bull side, obviously, um, was what to do with the back line. And we've already seen that. They seem to think that the solution may be that... um, Tom Edwards plays at center back. <laughs> at center back. Um, <laughs> uh, John Tolkien also being bandied as like a potential starter, I think, uh, this week. So that could be quite interesting. I mean, sh- it's going to certainly be better than fucking like Amro Tark at this point, right? Like, I, like I, I would rather see Amro at center back than being trotted out for another emergency left back uh, run out. Yeah. So hopefully that uh, that's exactly what happens i mean amro is healthy for what it's worth for this game so maybe he gets trotted out as well who knows but it seems to be that we're being heavily clued in that is going to be tom edwards starting at center back going to be another one of those uh, really um interesting experiments to say the least uh yeah it'd be and he would be have to end up be playing left center. Oh, I don't want to think about it. I do not. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that doesn't. That, that that's kind of that's kind of not great, dog. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Saying that out loud does not uh, fill me with a lot of optimism. But you know, I mean, Cause, uh... yeah, because you don't want to. Because I think that right center back spot is uh, Nealis has is has been settled there. So I don't know. I don't. Kyle Duncan, it's I okay. I'm gonna stop myself. I'm gonna uh, stop myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna call the police if if, if you don't stop, sir. Like, a... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally have my phone out right here. Please, 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 no. Um. Anyway, and uh, I think uh, you know, I saw I, uh, one other thing I saw was uh, calls for I think for Ryan Mira, like whether or not he'd be in contention to start. I think those were put to bed pretty definitively right i think it's going to be you're going to be seeing coronel charted out there again and you know what that's fine just to see if he can figure out some of these uh errors as he goes on and hopefully cut down on being 
hopefully cut down on them. Um, like I think we mentioned, like I really want to see Fabio and Klimala start up top this game. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I could that could be the thing, right? Like imagine a situation where you see Drew Yearwood starting at Shuttler, and then he gets to play the ball to a combination of Fabio and Klimala. Hmm. Oh yeah, he play. Uh, I just a, uh, plays a nice line breaking pass. Fabio flicks it on. Okay, that's uh, we're just making up scenarios in the head. But who oh boy? Matt Doyle uh, takes a big swig of cyanide when he realizes he's been made a f- made to look like look foolish again. <laughs> okay, I'm getting a bit too messy. I, I did promise that I'd cut down these kind of jarbs. So. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the key to the game, right? I think uh, we Orlando hasn't necessarily seen us with, I think, our best midfield configuration. And even before this, we were saying that um, our midfield, we haven't really figured out our best midfield configuration yet, right? So, you know, I think it's this element of surprise that could be a pretty decisive factor. Um, assuming and it builds on top of the fact that it builds on the fact that we looked like we were controlling the 20-30 minutes of uh, the game against New England with a sort of a more I wouldn't say makeshift but but with a midfield that we're lacking these elements so you know hopefully we get through Orlando with them uh, I don't know. Like, uh, you have anything to add, maybe, on key guys that Orlando have in their team? Because I, like, again, I, I, I haven't really kept the breast of MLS outside of Red Bull too much this year. So, I don't know. Any danger men that we should highlight in your eyes? I, 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 I don't think I, I'm not an expert in uh, in Orlando City, uh, but um, I think aside from Nanny, they have Teshuak and Delhi. They have uh, the. Uh, uh, the Uruguayan guy, uh, Mr. Sexball, as uh, our friend Derek from from Orlando shit posting says, um, Chris Mueller quietly one of their better players over the past few years. I can't imagine. Oh yeah, totally he won't play this him. game. Yeah, just uh, a just a, a really good player. Like always impresses when we see him. Um, Junior Urso, I think, playing in the midfield, uh, being. Just come re- a real shitster, I think. I've heard good things about this guy, Sylvester Vanderwater, as well. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, despite I'm... being uh, uh, Dutch, but <laughs> I'm just amazed that after all this time, like uh, Uri Rozelle is still here. Like, I feel he's been here for like fucking forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's like. Uh... Who's who's another? He, who does he remind me of? There was another player named uh, Mark Krosas who played at Celtic during the um, during the Gordon Strachan years, yeah. and then he went away. He was like a, he was like a Barcelona academy guy, and then he went to Celtic, and then he didn't really do much there. And then he wound up in Mexico, and then he played, and in, like he, like most of his career was played in Mexico to the point that he he's now a naturalized citizen, and he does he does stuff for for uh, for Univision Deportes now. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> He's like, like he paved the way for for Gignac before Gignac. This is like another one of those like Nico Yanaris in China kind of things, eh? 
Oh yeah, <laughs> that's always gonna be. I don't my think he. Had, one. Yeah, I don't think he ended up playing for Mexico, but I think that was a thing. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's my take on uh, Orlando. I want to beat Orlando, uh, uh, and then one of our players reveals himself to be a communist. So uh, Pedro Gallese <laughs> feels real bad about himself. I wonder who would be the most likely person on our team to have like communist sympathies. I know Sean is a Bernie bro. Like shout out to comrade Sean. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think us talking about this game is not going to be super extensive really. I think, uh, I obviously want to see a win. I always want to see a win. I know this team is capable of wins. And I think if we manage to bag this one, it'll be a real shot in the arm, right? Going into the international break. Um, yeah. I, I part, part of me wants to win this game just because we're going to be wearing the Parley jersey and like, I'm not going to enjoy looking at it. So at least, at least <laughs> I want three points from having to, from having to watch this team wear this, that, that jersey, good I, lord! Not, I gotta say, not great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, shout out to them uh, paying homage to the sugar-free Red Bull can, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> with this parley edition. I don't, know. Like, I, I don't think we. I don't think we've won a game in a parley shirt. We've I can't, not. I don't think we have. We've not. We've like, not. And even when this jersey was good, we still lost at home to Chicago. Yeah, it was the black and white parleys we lost. Uh, let yeah. me think. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, we've lost every parley game. Yeah. I think we also lost every Autism Awareness Night game that I can think of with the blue numbers. No, uh, I don't. I don't have a record for that. So yeah, but that's that's kind of like whatever. Anyway, like 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 it's all fake corporate tie-ups. Anyway, so who gives a shit? Right. Um, we did win a JD Power and Associates Best Sports Franchise for the fiscal qu- year uh, quarter two. Yeah, you know, and Mark de Grand Prix was definitely pissing and sharding himself after that one, eh? Like, <laughs> JD Sports Power. Yes, betting companies telling me that I'm running my organization well. Sure, sure, why not? Uh, yeah, basically, cut a long story short, let's f- go beat Orlando. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, let's move on to questions now. We have a pretty full mailbag today, so thank you guys for your uh, enthusiasm. As always, and sending his questions, always appreciate hearing from you guys. We'll begin from a comment from 13th in the East, Mr. Derek Schultz. David Jensen. What about him? <laughs> I mean... What, what indeed? Yeah, I mean, like, it's uh, very much a situation where it's, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's pretty much on the way out. Eh? I mean, I said it. Uh, I think uh, in my article for Winter Metro for the season began, like I would be absolutely shocked if we see him suit up at any given time uh, mm-hmm. this season. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, just just enjoy your time in New York while you still can, David. And I hope wish you the best at uh, your next club. I suppose uh, we'll start with this banger then for the questions with uh, this absolute banger from Patrick Haddad, uh, co-host of Off the Perch podcast. Which current player would make the best participant in geography chat? And this is a wow, 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 wow. Uh, oh man, like I would actually think that our coaches would probably be better. I mean, and I think like Sean Davis would be the one that <clears throat> people I think point to as being um, 
most obvious candidate just simply because I think, uh, you know, I mean, if is a educational um, qualifications, but, you know, a really good dark horse candidate now that it comes to mind would actually be Florian Velo, you know, mm. and I because th- he is like low key, a really cultured guy who likes to travel. Right. So <laughs> Velo or even Royer, I think, because of just simply being around Europe a lot, you know, I think Velo and Royer would be my dark horse candidate is actually a being right. Really Royer by the nature of, of, Royer, by the nature of being a player who's who's been in Europa League, yeah, the ultimate geography chat uh, uh, tournament. But of course, I think uh, if we we're not limiting it, it to players, like I think it would be it would definitely be Struber, right? We were like, you know, Denny's from a real small mountain town in the <laughs> Alpine regions, which is most well known for the uh, local version of Casa Spetzel, where they don't put in <laughs> onions; instead, they use shallots. Which I think in America are just your small onions. You understand? <laughs> and we used not... to have a joke about that. We used to joke about uh, that town. We should call them the the Schlubendhausen. And uh, it, I, I don't know how to translate it. It's one of those words you cannot translate into English. But trust me, it is very, very humorous. <laughs> and when I was in uh, the parts of uh, the England, they called Yorkshire. And, uh, you know, it is not super far from where we are having Mr. Edwards from. Um, they, they, they once, Wan uh, once told me, and has convinced me very dearly that I wanted to see it for myself, that the place that wanted me, New York, was a shithole and it was full of yanks. And I had to see it for myself to quench the curiosity that I had. So I decided to come to America myself to coach. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm trying to think of it. Would it be one? I guess it would be one player, but I'm thinking like the team. I think the T, the wealth of knowledge from the team would be a good uh, as a as like a geography B team. I think the team would be very useful because you have a lot of guys with uh, a lot of experience all over the place. Yeah, like we've had guys. I think we've had really we had guys who've played in every in every confederation in this team. Gotta be right. Yeah, yeah no, I we have so. like we have guys from. Everyone except for AFC, I think. No, Fabio. Fabio played in Japan. Oh, yeah. Fabio played in Japan. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He, he played, played at Albrecht Niigata. Well. I was thinking of yes. like, oh, uh, we don't have a player from the AFC, but we do have someone who played in the AFC. That's right. Yeah. Totally who forgot played about in that. the AFC. Yeah. That's right. Albrecht Niigata. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I Might think get promoted answer the this question. year, so. Yeah, you're, you're actually. I, hopefully like top that answers. Three. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think anyway, so. Hopefully uh, that answers your hopefully question. Hopefully we've answered that question. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I will say. Okay, if Patrick Haddad played for this team, he would be geography chat champion. He'd be three times geography chat champion. <laughs> yes, three <laughs> You know, maybe I'll give a shout out to Jason Pendon as well, just because I like his uh, knowledge of Vietnamese cuisine. Probably means that he oh, yeah. may do some reading on his own time. But yeah. Matches are. Um, you think you think you think Struber's eaten? You think Struber's eat ever eaten the bend me before? <laughs> I mean, I'm. I, I think he might get in the team if he gets if he gets that to them. I think you. I think you probably be like, you know, uh, I'm too busy scouting week in week out. I have no time to partake in the, your um, physical susten rituals of sustenance. <laughs> <laughs> he would just be like. 
I am I am I am confused because this is this is a baguette, but it is a delicious sandwich. Two things that I had ne- would never combine. Before. Yeah, you know, like what the fuck, man? Like I, I I complained about this recently, but I just wanted to state that like the French are fucking idiots for having access <laughs> to this crusty, nice crusty bread and not figuring out how to make a good sandwich with it. And then you want to tell me that they're great chefs? Like, sh- shut the fuck up! Like. Wow. Like you can stick that cordon blow up your ass for all I'm telling. Wow. wow, wow, wow. Anyway, fuck. I was fuck. looking. I was looking at French cooking, and uh, a lot of it is just like putting stuff in a pot and waiting for three hours. Yeah, it's so, like you're drowning it in wine or butter, and then that just creates the flavor with some herbs. And you go, you go, you go work, you go work the fields for six hours, then you come back, and suddenly <laughs> yeah. uh, you're gonna pay fifty dollars for a plate of Cocavan or whatever. But that's yeah, uh, what the f- that's for a different time. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll, we'll get into Metro Food TV some other time. I think maybe over the weekend, <laughs> over the international break or something. But um, uh, next question coming from Sav. Thanks, Sav, for the question. How are you guys feeling about our start to the season? About what was expected worse ETC? And like I think I said at the top of the episode, my sentiment basically boils down to the fact that like I just hate the fact that we're getting spoiled batches every single week, right? Like I see enough of this team to know that we can be very good. It just hasn't been sustained over a 90-minute period because we get sunk by some self-inflicted wound at some point or some unfortunate manner or circumstance. And... I will definitely say that the quality of play I've seen this season is higher at its best, is higher than anything I've seen under Chris Armas. I think we can all agree on that. It's just that we beat ourselves, you know. But like I said, born out of that frustration is a reason to be optimistic because we know that if we manage to figure out this aspect of not having these brain farts, we'll be a really, really good team. You already saw us, I think, dominate the best team in the East by standing so far this season for a good 20, 30 minutes of the game. Like, I think we know that we are better than the place we are on the table right now. And we are going to show it as the season goes on. But of course, if we're still having these conversations, I think in August or September, like I mentioned, then I'm obviously going to be sounding the alarm bells. That's where I'm at. Yeah. 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 I think I, I'm just thinking the alternative is that if everyone was healthy and we were just six and zero, or like we were just zero and six, I would feel so much worse than where we are right now. Yeah. And, you know, despite everything, like, even despite being in, like, a similar situation where we are now, right, where we were 1-6 in 2016, like, we still managed to win one game with a really fucked up back line in 2016 before the Aurelian Collin trade that saved the season. Right. Yeah. Like, like was, I... Was the game that we won, that was that was the Felipe uh, Brace game against uh, Orlando. Hmm. Huh. No, it was no, no, no. Hold on, it was against Houston. I'm sorry. Oh, that was the four three game, right? Where the I, I do believe that's the last time we've still scored off a direct free kick. So uh, that been, seemed. I think so. It's been yeah. five years since we scored off a direct free kick. <laughs> yeah, directly from a free kick, no deflections, just uh, yeah, <laughs> no deflections, just vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I guess on the topic of free kicks, uh, a question from Ed Ritter on a certain Salzburg 
free kick maestro. Thoughts on Januzovic and the Ugandan kid, as well as international slots, obviously related. So um, I guess to recap, I think uh, this season, uh, sorry, this week, rumor linking Zlatko Januzovic from Salzburg with us. And I think for those of you uh, who aren't really, I think, uh, too familiar with the Ripple Global world, like Januzovic is a shuttler in a Salzburg system, right? 33-year-old player who has a wicked free kick, right? Like, he's a... Fun- no, my guy, he is... Uh, so, like, I think uh, of anyone in this fan base, or I think of most people in this fan base, I, I have I have a knowledge of, of Januzovic. Just uh, before he was at Salzburg, he was a longtime player at Werder Bremen. And my guy, this guy can hit a ball. He, like, he would be... I think even even at 33 years of age, he would be like an upgraded version of Mark Shetkovsky, uh, <laughs> which is like scoring golosos. Um, even last year, he scored this nasty volley. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's 33 years old. Like, I don't think we are in the mood for him. But uh, just credit to him. I think one of the things about when he left Werder Bremen for Salzburg, there was a lot of like um, trepidation of his age. But like... Uh, a guy in his thirties uh, pressing like he was a teenager. I've seen a lot of praise for him doing that, like adopting an EDS, you know, because he's not coming from necessarily an EDS team yeah. in Werder Bremen. Um, I think he should stay in Austria and just keep scoring golosos. I don't think we need him here. I you know. I, I think I do wonder though. I guess um, this this was something that was floated. I think by our friend Juan Mapu is that. If you bring in a guy like Januzovic to be a mentor to a relatively young, fresh team, will that give an added layer of stability, I wonder, to a team that can sometimes get in its own way for being a bit too naive, right? Or a bit too reckless. And, you know, I mean, just the fact that he scores a lot of really fun goals, right, would be be pretty wild. Yeah, we might might actually score a free kick if we get it. Yeah. That would be really fun, I think. Uh, yeah, but I'm like, like you said, like I'm taking it with a pinch of salt for now. Uh, it's it, it it is the initial rumor that dropped, so you just gotta wait and see if anything develops from that. Um, Steven Serwata, that's the Ugandan kid that uh, Ed's talking about here. Um, okay, so that's the other rumor that kind of broke, I think, uh, this week, right? Very close to apparently signing him for Red Bull Two. Right, so I think as far as international slots are related uh, with him, I think not as much of a worry because he's probably going to be a project of Ripple too anyway. So, for to to kind of recap uh, the Steven Serwata link, this is a guy playing for Kampala City Authority, I think, right in the the Ugandan Premier League, and is a cap that under youth level for Uganda. Uh, this was an Uganda under-23 team, I think, that made it to the final of the under-23 African Cup of Nations, where they lost to Ghana, Ghana I think. <laughs> and uh, having seen some video from that tournament, like I think there is a pretty good reason why they identified him particularly for Red Bull. You know, I think if you watch the video that's available out there on him, you can see that he's very rangy. Right, has a real spring to his step, is able to uh, close down a lot of, um, you know, a lot of uh, a sheer physical ability to be closing out and pressuring a lot of people. Like, if, like, I think the comparison I would throw out is that there's a lot of Kaita to his game, there's a lot of Nabi Kaita to his game. 
you know, and if they manage to identify someone who's capable of, uh, you know, stepping into that mold, like, that's fantastic, you know. I mean, you just see the way that he springs. There's a real spring to his step in the way that he pressures people. That makes me think that he could be really moldable into an EDS player. Like, Mm -hmm. so, and then on top of that, like, uh, you know, I think uh, obviously only 18 years old, I think uh, still a bit wayfish gets knocked off the ball a bit too easily but obviously i mean like 18 year old kids aren't like close to finish product physically right so he bulks up a little bit could end up becoming a real asset you know because uh you know i think i see his uh counter pressing ability his ability to always get stuck in and close and cover a ton of field of uh ground in that midfield it's really exciting to see someone like him come on board actually so i think this should be someone that you should be keeping a pretty close eye on if his highlight reel is to be believed. And at the very least, it seems that Red Bull 2 are going to be having a pretty fun player to uh, observe this season. So just keep him keep him in the rearview mirror for now. I think this could be a very... We could be finding a pretty good diamond in the rough with this one. We might be building a statue to Ibrahim Sagai. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the connection that brought him here, right? So shout out to Eves, man, yeah. for the uh, for the connects. I mean, uh, Sterwata is at the very least a very tantalizing prospect, I think. So uh, if yeah, I mean, gonna be excited to see him uh, to to see if it a uh, crosses the line and b see him develop here. I think there is reason to think that he can stick. But that, of course, uh, will all depend on uh, what happens uh, at Ripple 2. But just from a pure counter-pressing point of view, very exciting player. Um, Finally, coming out from our friends, Monica. uh, Yes, asking about Chris Cruz made me feel like I ever dreamed Chris Armis wanting to sign Dom Dwyer. Do you remember this? He finally signed him in Toronto, and I can't stop thinking about this. Please confirm. You know, like, this is like one of those, like, Mandela effect kind of things, right? Where, like, you definitely remember something like that, but, like, (laughs) you can't find anything corroborating it, right? Like I can't yeah, remember I... what was the thing that was the genesis for this. To be honest, yeah, I have no idea. I think I think the rumor was that he wanted to trade for him, but this was at some point well deep into the zone. But I can't think of when that would have been. There, there was nothing public from what I could recall. I feel like uh, I yeah. want to believe there was though. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think there was anything like directly linking us to it. Right. And I think, uh, let me, let me try and look through. But like what we're looking at right now at Toronto is like, is an accelerated Armas zone. Like, this could be quite dangerous yeah, at, at dude, the rate the uh, wheels are spinning now. I, I mean, their implosion is nothing short of amazing, isn't it? Like seeing this, uh, Chris, Ar- seeing this, any, see uh, yet another speed run at an episode where we just can't stop talking about speed runs. Basically, <laughs> uh, 
Armor showing main, that he he's already alienated a senior of... player. Yeah, I mean, he's the Daigo Umehara of destroying teams, man. I mean, like, already, like, alienating players, already having the team smirk at him, like, five games into the season. Like, holy shit, dude. The zone is strong with this one, eh? Like, and the funny thing is, is like, it's... we were so much talk about him being, like, a player's coach while mm -hmm. he was still around here. And, um, well, it doesn't really feel like that, eh? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Just unnecessary beefs with the. Uh, is there is there any guy on this on this Orla or on this Toronto team that could say, yeah, Chris is just a really cool guy? I don't I don't know. Yeah, I know. I don't know, man. Probably be like some dork like Mikey Delgado or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't even know Marky Delgado when he got subbed off. Oh yeah, he looked upset, us, didn't he, was, he? Yeah, he was not. He was not having it. <laughs> When you lose Marky Delgado. <laughs> when you lose Marky Delgado. When he loses Michael Bradley, you know that'll be it. That's like the death knell. I mean, I'm pretty sure Michael Bradley's coaching the team like on the down low oh, yeah. anyway. So, um, like... When, when Michael... Okay, let me, when Michael Bradley no longer has a use for him. Yeah. It's a picture of, uh, of Michael Bradley next to, next to Chris Armas, and the next season, it's the same picture, but Chris Armas is erased from it. Yeah. We give him the uh, Stalin treatment. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to look it up, and I don't think, I, I don't recall seeing anything publicly linking us to Don Dwyer in terms of trades or anything, so, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to say that like, uh, it may have been some speculation somewhere else, maybe, but, um, or maybe some offhand comment that someone posted on Twitter, but I don't remember anything that explicitly said that Chris Armis wanted to sign Dom Dwyer. Yeah, but regardless, I think it's a pretty good, um, pretty much highlights like what they think, uh, what is it, what goes into a good MLS team, right? So all these kind of washed veteran retreads who cost a lot of money. So, you know, I mean, I'm just so glad that we get to see the uh, zone develop for another team that's not us in real time. It's a, it's been a, it's been a really fun train wreck to watch. But I, ha but I fear it's, uh, it's, it, it's basically developing too fast. So please slow the fuck down. We want you to be eternal Toronto manager. Okay. Yeah, we're not yeah, we're seeing Toronto fans are not having it and it's uh it's uh it's winding down. And unfortunately I haven't seen any good memes from them about it, which is very upsetting. Yeah. Like I don't like here like I'm just gonna give you guys one if any of you listen, but uh you're Canadian yeah you have that band bare naked ladies you should go it's been and then what six weeks since we won a game or something like that i don't know <laughs> i was literally at the point where <laughs> like uh, i think at the height of his own posting where i was posting the uh i'm rapidly falling out of love of football thing as a as, as a coping <laughs> mechanism on a weekly basis and the yeah, uh they don't have that they just they just uh post why how how not mad they are about supporter <laughs> shield because they're all like the vibes they get from that fan base, man. They're all just like a bunch of real like try hard hardos, really. You know, like oh yeah, <laughs> where everything has to be taken super seriously for a premier sporting institution. And it's like, bro, it's just it's, you're, you're, 
you're 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 a big fish in a small pond. Like, just shut the fuck up, man. You're like us. <laughs> you're a you're a Saudi you're a Saudi pro league feeder club, just like us. Yeah, exactly. Like the fuck you talking about, son? <laughs> you're the greatest player in the history of your club. Fucked off to the Middle East for like a <laughs> on a free transfer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that just about does it. Yeah, I mean, to cut a long story short, yeah, we can't find anything on Dumb Dwyer. We're so sorry. Um, maybe it was a fever dream. Who knows? Um, I think that does it for questions. Uh, so thanks you once again for everybody who sent one in. Uh, really fun questions to be answering as always. Uh, and I think that just about does it here on Metro Fan TV for this week. Going into this Orlando game. Um, basically, I think that's an, it's an afternoon kickoff, right? So it's going to be yet another late night for me. So yay, going to get my nap in before the game, I think. And for you guys, I don't know, are you going to be at Red Bull Arena this time around? Uh, won't be at Red Bull Arena this time around. Um, I'd have to leave my house at like 9 a.m. to do that. Okay, yeah, that's Uh, fucked. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, I'll be watching from home. And then uh, remember the best you have the the best game in all of uh, club football tomorrow, and then you have some some shit game between Manchester City and and Chelsea afterward. Uh, it really, <laughs> you, you can sleep through that. I won't. It really is the darkest timeline, dude. Oh my god, just absolute garbazo. Yeah, two underdog teams yeah. facing off. Uh, After two giants of the world of football, New York Red Bulls and Orlando City FC. You know, I I, I don't even want to think about it. Like I I I I, I hope uh, I hope the stadium gets nuked somehow. President Xi, please. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it all back, we think uh, this stadium in Portugal is a Hamas, a Hamas hideout. hideout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man. Oh Jesus. I I I hate European soccer, man. Like uh... <laughs> It's just so dead to me. It's washed. I, I, I can't get excited about it anymore. But anyway, on that note, Metro Fan TV is saying, fuck the UEFA Champions League and fuck you. Have a wonderful, 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 wonderful weekend at Ripple Arena. Hoping for a W like we said. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.